Greetings and salutations and welcome to the Trash Fire of Talk podcast with your host, Skits M. Jones. I am your host, Skits M. Jones. And uh, let's kick right into it with a, a recap of this past week's game of microphones. Outstanding lineup. Uh, we had Dan Cass, Katie Phillipson, Mike Hover, Brad Kaufman, Andrew King, Brennan Weaver, Ashley Rowland, who won the evening, and uh, Vikram Balaji. Uh, in addition to that, we had uh, Joe Antonacci, uh, who came on and did a guest spot uh, in preparation for this weekend's shows. Uh, you can catch him uh, opening for uh, uh, Doby Maxwell uh, at the Comedy Shrine this weekend. And then uh, Jeff Brumfield headlined. And uh, last night was at Tonk House, which I was not at because I was working. Um, but yeah, so it was a great night. Um, had a lot of fun. I was very tired. Have I mentioned I was very tired? Because I was very, very fucking tired. It's been a long few weeks. Uh, the day job has been absolutely killing me. Uh, there's been um, other stuff going on in the uh, non-performance-related life stuff. Um, everything's good, but there was just a lot going on. Um, and then just a lot of performances. So I didn't get a lot of sleep. My schedule's been whacked. It's been, it's been a lot. Um, and the schedule is going to continue being busy. I've got a lot of things coming up. Uh, for example, this Wednesday, September 4th, I'm going to be at Elmhurst Comedy. That's right. I'm going back to my hometown of Elmhurst, uh, performing at Cottage Hill Station. Uh, great lineup for that. Stephanie Carroll is hosting. Uh, it's going to be me, Lam Galuka, Jessica Mance, Casey Larwood. Uh, plus, there's a lotto spot for uh, one lucky comic. So, comics, make sure you come out as well. You might get to get on that stage. Um, September 5th, uh, Thursday, as always, another game of microphones. Uh, this time, headliner is uh, Pratik uh, Srivastava. Uh, and then uh, September 10th, uh, a little bit further in the distance, but uh, I will be, that's a Tuesday, uh, I will be at Flabby Hoffman's Comedy Cavalcade at Phyllis's Musical Inn in Chicago. That's right, Chicago folks, I'm coming back out to the city once again. Uh, I appreciate Flabby Hoffman and the whole crew uh, behind the, this, this whole deal. Uh, I, have worked with them on, on the, the radio show every Saturday. Um, they do that show, uh, at, out at Q4. Uh, I've been a, a guest a, a few times. It's fun. Uh, I haven't been back in a while cause my schedule, like I said, very full, but, uh, yeah. So September 10th, come out to Phyllis's musical in for that one. Uh, so yeah, a lot of things, a lot of things going on. Another thing that's been going on is, <sighs> all right, I've debated whether I want to get into all this shit or not. I haven't chimed in on any of the social medias because it just looks like so much. So if you want my thoughts, this that's what the podcast is for. The podcast is for my thoughts. So I'm going to get into it. Um... I used to be the type of person who would consume media just so I could have an opinion about it, whether I was going to enjoy it or not. Like, prime example, 
I went out and saw Mel Gibson's The Passion of the Christ. Now, I am not a Christian or a Catholic, even though I was born and raised Irish Catholic. I got better, uh, and I stopped doing that shit. Um, but I went and saw this movie because I was like, oh, it's going to be a huge cultural thing. Everyone's going to be talking about it. I should make sure I see it so that when I have an opinion, it is an informed opinion. Um, and that's, that's the type of person I used to be. I was like, I'm, I want to consume everything so I can make sure to have the most informed opinion and be able to say what I think about it. And I'm going to be honest, y'all, I'm just too tired and too busy doing my own shit to be that person anymore. So when I see everyone going off about Dave Chappelle's latest fucking comedy special, I don't care. You know, and I don't care to have an opinion about it. Like, I don't need to watch something that I may or may not like just so I can have an opinion. My stance on it is, yeah, I didn't watch it. That's the only opinion I need to have. Like, I don't need much beyond that. It seems like, you know, in, in, and, and maybe it's because I have a lot more comics on my timeline these days. So talking about comedy is what they're going to do. Um, but look, I just don't care about, you know, all of these comics who are making huge fucking Netflix contracts, like millions upon millions of dollars to do their thing. Um, I don't, I, I don't care about their opinions on trans people. Like, if you tell me their opinions suck, cool. If you tell me their opinions are fine, cool. I'm worried about your opinion. Like, does your opinion suck? You're the one I'm talking to. You know, like, I'm not changing Dave Chappelle's mind by watching or not watching his special. He made millions of dollars. He's doing just fine. He can film a special where he didn't actually write any material. He just goes on stage and rambles and he's going to make millions. So why, why do I care? Like, I don't, well, you should study. Ah. I'm not worried about what, what they're doing on Netflix right now. Like, here's my philosophy. The people I enjoy, the people I know I like, like, if you tell me Bo Burnham dropped a new special, I'm going to check that shit out. If you tell me John Leguizamo dropped a new special, and I realize I'm I'm dropping, like, less stand-up performers and more, like, uh, one-person shows, and that's fine. Uh, that's more my wheelhouse. That's kind of what I'm into. Um, you know, there, there are plenty of comics I enjoy, but, like, at that, like, Netflix special level... Um, you know, there's a handful that I like, and if they do something, like Wanda Sykes' new special, I want to check out, because I like Wanda Sykes, um, you know, stuff like that, but I'm not going to just watch every special just to have an opinion on it, if it's not my sense of humor, or if it's not my sensibilities, or if I, like, am then going to have to be dragged into discussions about it, because I, I don't fucking care, all right, I don't fucking care. Um, uh, yeah, I, you know who I'm worried about? You know who I'm watching and paying attention to? The people at the level above me, like right, right above me, because they're where I want to be next. And once I'm at that level, 
then I'll pay attention to the people above that. Because here's the thing, if I'm looking at what's hot and what's popular on Netflix right now, that's not going to be the case in 10, 15, 20 years, whatever it is, when I ideally get to that level. You know, if that's if that's the goal to get to that level, what's hot now is not going to be hot then. Shit will have changed. So why am I worried about that right now? I'm worried about where I'm at and where I want to be next. That's what I'm going to be focusing on. That's where my attention is going to be. Um, because that's going to, to dictate kind of how I'm going about what I'm doing, you know? Um, so yeah, I didn't watch Chappelle's latest special. Probably not going to. Because I just don't fucking care. And here's the big secret. If I do watch it, I'm not going to fucking tell anybody. Because I don't want to get into a thing over it. Like, I'm I'm worried about the good people or the shitty people around me. That's what I'm worried about right now. And, I, you know, I'm not worried about a comic. I'm worried about politicians. You know, corporations, businesses. Yes, there is the element of pop culture shaping the discourse and things of that nature. Um, but I can't vote out uh, a comic, you know. I can vote, I well, I can contribute to voting out a politician. You know what I mean? Like, and I'll support the people I want to support. I'll give them my views, my money, my uh, attention, my fucking read blogs or whatever. Like if there's people that I want to support, I will support them. Um, anything else? Yeah, I'm done. I'm done with having an opinion just to have an opinion because I'm tired and I'm busy. You know, I'm busy doing my own fucking thing. Like I don't care what Dave Chappelle's up to these days. He's doing just fine without my attention. Um, Oh, man. Other controversies. Holy shit in the local scene. This whole idea of bringer shows. Now, bringer shows have been a thing uh, as long as there's been a thing. You know what I mean? Um, as long as there have been stages, there have been people who will let, who will let you buy your way onto that stage. That's always been the case. It's that case in wrestling. It's that case in music. It's that case in comedy. Uh, there, there was big controversy some years back when I was involved with a specific wrestling company where they decided that everyone on the show had to sell 10 tickets or you were off the show, even if you'd been advertised for the show. And that was new. That company had never done that before. And people were fucking pissed. Because that was sprung at the last minute on a bunch of people who already had been working for less than they should have been working for to try and make this big show happen. Um, and it's nonsense. And I actually hung out with a couple people who were just straight up told, oh, you didn't sell enough tickets, you're off the card. And that's fucking insane. That's infuriate. If you advertise someone on a show and then you pull them, that's some fucking bullshit. Now, here's my opinion on bringer shows. Um, I look, look, if you can sell 
five tickets, 10 tickets, 20 tickets, whatever it is to get on a show, if you can sell that, if you've got that kind of following, cool, make your money, get on a stage, go do your time, uh, fill a room. And if you're good, ideally the next time they'll just pay you. You won't have to do the legwork. Um, if you can't, if that's not your deal, uh, then you have to do the hustle of just being good enough that people want to put you on a stage. That's the grind. You know, the, the lucky among us um, have at least a few people who will come out to see us fairly regularly and then get to perform because people want to put us on a stage. Like, that's, that's the best case at the level that a lot of us are at, right? Um, the worst case you don't have an audience. You don't have a, a pool of friends to pull from. You don't have a fan base. You don't have whatever. So you just need to hustle it out and be good enough that people will want to put you on a stage just because they like what you do. And that's cool too. Like you either got to be good or you got to be a draw or you got to be a combination of the both. That's how you get stage time. That's really all it comes down to. You have to be what a booker is looking for in that moment. Um, and it's, you know, look, I don't begrudge anybody who tells you, hey, if you sell me 10 tickets, I'll give you stage time. Cool, that's smart for the booker. They're guaranteeing they'll get 10 people in the room. Um, if you're the one who agrees to sell those tickets so you can get the stage time, awesome. Um, I personally don't want to do bringer shows. I have no interest in, in doing that, uh, because the last thing I want to do is pub a show, you know, come up short on ticket sales and then be told, sorry, all the pub you've done. Like if I sell, you know, two tickets, uh, that's still two people who, bought tickets to see me perform. So for me to then turn around and tell them, Hey, sorry, I'm not performing. Well, now they're not going to come back. You know what I mean? Like that's bad business for me personally. Uh, cause that's two people I just burned. That's also anyone else who didn't buy from me, but then last minute decides they want to go to the show or whatever. They're burned as well. Uh, that's why I hate canceling shows like for game of microphones, which I, I want to clarify. I've been told the game of microphones is a bringer show. Uh, people have tried to, to tell me that, and it's not because I will never tell anyone they have to sell tickets. Now it is a, the winner gets paid. That's how game of microphones works. It's a competition winner gets paid. Uh, if you pack the room and all your friends vote for you, then yeah, you're probably going to win and you're probably going to get paid. Thank you for that. Everyone else, you still got to perform in front of that audience. You still got stage time, more stage time than an open mic. And you were going to be at an open mic anyway. So, you know, like that's my line of thought. That's why I always enjoyed doing Game of Microphones. Win or lose, I still got eight minutes as opposed to the four or five I might get at an open mic. And... Ideally, I got an audience of people I don't fucking know. So that's how I approached it when I was a participant. Now that I'm producing, um, you know, A, last thing I want to do is ever cancel a show. Because again, if you have people who came out to see the show, 
and then suddenly there's no show, they're not going to come back the next week because it might be canceled. I want people to come out every week because they enjoy the show that I put on, regardless of the lineup. I want people to come out because they genuinely just want to see a show on a Thursday night and they don't, I, I don't have to specifically go out of my way to try and book people who will bring an audience. I want an audience because they like the show. Now, that said, you have to build that, you know, and that's something that we're working on right now is trying to build a repeat audience. And we've been lucky enough to get through the entire summer without having to cancel a show. Apparently, summer is usually the rough season, uh, but we've managed to get through the entire summer, no canceled shows, and that's a point of pride for me. I, I would rather everyone who shows up gets a show, whether it's four people or 40 people, I want them to get a show. Um, you know, because if I show up wanting to see a show and you cancel, yeah, I'm not coming back. Why would I? There's a million other places doing a million other shows that I could go to. Uh, so yeah, now, um, again with the, you know, the, if you bring, you're going to win. I've straight up seen people pack the room and lose because they just weren't the best. You know, um, I've seen people, uh, you know, if, if there's two people who both bring an audience, it's typically going to wind up being the third person who was the best Unless, you know, one, if one of those two people who comes in and brings a room is also the best person, then yeah, they should win. Um, ideally, it should always be whoever is the best one wins. Um, but, you know, it, it is what it is. When it comes to audience vote, uh, sometimes they're going to vote for what they thought was the best performance. Sometimes they're going to vote for just who they like the best. Uh, you know, you never know. You never know what people are going to vote for. Audiences are weird and fickle. Um, but I, I'm going to tell you as, as a booker now, I'm just going to come out and tell you what I'm looking for. Cause I know people have been asking me like, how are you booking this show? What is your, what is your deal? Um, there's a number of factors. Uh, typically we want, we want an audience. So if there's someone we know will bring an audience, unless they're dog shit, you know, if you suck, I'm probably not putting you on the show. Like if you are just terrible or your material is offensive or, you know, whatever it is, uh, I'm not going to book you. That's just straight up. Like, I won't. I can't speak for the other producers, but if if I find your material particularly offensive to my sensibilities, I'm not going to book you. Um, that being said, uh, I am looking for a few things. Uh, if you can bring people, that's a bonus. You will likely get a spot. Uh, if I like your material... If there is something that you are doing that I'm like, I like that and I want to see more of that. Because a lot of people that I'm booking, I've seen at the open mics. And if I've seen you do five and I've seen you do, you know, a few five minute sets and I've liked generally what you're doing, then yeah, I'm going to want to see what you could do with eight. Uh, I'm also looking for diverse lineups. 
If I have, you know, seven, you know, 20-something suburban white dudes on a stage, what's my audience for that? It's probably also going to be 20-something suburban white dudes on who want to see themselves reflected on the stage. So I don't want that. I want diverse lineups. I want to appeal to the most audience possible. And with seven competing comics, sometimes eight, plus a headliner, um, I there can usually be a diverse enough lineup that there's a little something for everybody. I want people in their teens and 20s. I want people in their 30s and 40s. I want people 50s and up. I want white people. I want brown people. I want black people. I want uh, every every shade under the sun. I, I want it represented. Uh, I, want, um, I want men. I want women. I want non-binary people. I want queer people. I want straight people. I want the breadth of human experience. I want it all represented on that stage. Because if I have something for everybody on that stage, and I've talked about it before, I call it the fast and furious booking uh, philosophy. If there's a little something for everybody and everyone can see themselves reflected on that stage, they're going to like the show that much more because they're going to feel included. You know, and and an audience that feels included and feels welcome and feels represented is more likely to be a loyal audience that keeps coming back. You know, so if anyone is ever upset by the way that I'm, my philosophy on booking, that's fine. But understand why I do what I'm doing. Um, and that's why I want a wildly diverse show. I feel like a failure if I don't have a diverse show. Because that means that I didn't look hard enough to find those people. Because they are out there. I've been on enough shows and in enough rooms and seen enough people to know that there are queer people out there. There are uh, uh, minority you know, people of color out there. There are women out there. Everything you can think of. There, there are uh, people with various um, disabilities or, uh, you know... Uh, you know, there's blind comics, there's anything you can think of, they're out there. And I want as much representation as possible. Uh, so that's that. But yeah, uh, so to clarify, Game of Mics, not a bringer show, though if you can pack a room, uh, you're more likely to get paid. But I would never, if someone shows up and they didn't bring a single person, I will never tell them they're not on the show unless the entire show itself is canceled, which again, I will fight tooth and fucking claw to make sure no shows get canceled. I will take ridiculous hits like you don't even know. I will take a hit to make a show happen if it means that everyone else gets to perform because that is genuinely what I believe is best for the show, is best for business, and is best for the comics. I don't want people driving from wherever. I don't care if you live five minutes down the street. I don't want you taking the trip out to get there and then be told show's canceled. You could have been doing anything else. You could have been at another show. You could have been at another mic. You could have gone to the movies. You could have stayed home with your loved ones. Anything 
you could have done. So I don't want a show ever to get canceled. So those are my obligations. I have to make sure that I put on a show that people are coming out to. I have to make sure that people have a good time while they're there and that they want to come back. And we've been lucky that we've had a few people who are just off the street people. They're not there to see anyone in particular. They just want to come see comedy and we give it to them. And that's, that's what I want to do. Um, but yeah, as far as the bringer show thing, like I've, I've seen, there's been a lot of talk on the, on the Chicago suburbs page and the Chicago city page for, for comedy of people, you know, discussing the, the philosophy of the bringer show and like, look, man, Whatever stage time anybody wants, fucking go go get it. Go get on that stage. If you can pack a room and get paid for it, fucking go make that money. Um, I've seen people say, if you can, you know, if you can bring 20 people, just put on your own fucking show and make all the profits. And you know what? I don't disagree. Credit to Tonk House. Fucking Jay Garcia and, and that whole crew, they just opened their garage and started putting on a fucking show cool more power to you that's fucking hustle um you know i i would never begrudge anyone stage time i would never begrudge anyone how they want to put on their shows i can only make decisions for the shows i'm involved in if i'm booking them i can make decisions on how i do it and if it's someone wanting to book me I can make the decision whether or not it's worth it to me to go on that stage. Sometimes I will work for free because it means networking or it means getting in front of a new crowd. Sometimes I will work for pay because, yeah, I like to get paid doing this. That's the goal because, man, trying to balance comedy and the day job and just life in general is fucking murderous. I worked a 12-hour fucking day Friday. So I don't want to do that shit anymore. Um, so yeah, all this controversy. Like, look, I also didn't listen to the new Tool album. Sue me. I'm in a stoner doom metal band, and I'm not listening to the new Tool. Why? Because I don't fucking care to have an opinion about it yet. I listened to the one song. I was like, yeah, sounds like Tool. I'm just not in that mind space. Eventually, I will be. But that's not where I'm at right now, so I didn't listen to it. Uh, eventually, I'll get around to it. I haven't listened to the new Taylor Swift either. Well, not all the way through. I listen to most of it. Um, but there's so many albums that I want to give attention to. And the time. Who's got the time? There's so many things that I want to give my attention to. And there's only so many hours in the day. And eventually, I would like to sleep. <laughs> so, yeah fucking controversies man and that brings us to our recommendations uh i don't have any shows or anything to recommend but i do have some songs so first off fitting for the for the episode prince's controversy the uh the single off the 1981 album of the same name uh controversy the track openly engages all the questions and controversies that followed Prince during the three albums prior uh, regarding race, religion, sexuality, and more. Uh, and those are all themes that Prince would continue to explore throughout much of his career. Um, controversy, for me, might be the, the first real banger 
that Prince dropped. Like, it, there, there's at least one or two songs off each album prior, but like, Controversy's a fucking banger. The album cut is like seven minutes or some shit. The single is three. Um, the album cut gets a little weird. The uh, He recites the Lord's Prayer and shit like that. Uh, dances around issues of blasphemy. Um, which Prince and Religion is a whole different topic that I'm sure is covered on other podcasts in great length better than I could at this moment. But yeah, so your first song recommendation is Controversy by Prince. And speaking of controversies, this, this next song is from a band that many find very controversial and the fact that they don't care for them for some fucking reason. We just collectively as a society decided, fuck Nickelback. And uh, so yeah, that's right. It's a fucking Nickelback song that I'm recommending. It was their breakout single from their second album, The State. Uh, the single is Leader of Men. The album was originally released in 98 and then re-released in 2000, which is when I first heard them. Uh, and I saw the music video for this song on a late night public access rock music video show. Um, you know, I was, I was still in high school at the time. Uh, I, I believe I was a senior who, who fucking knows, man, time flies. Um, but I, you know, I, I had a, a TV and cable in my room and I would just stay up all hours of the night watching weird public access shows. And that's how I discovered like ECW for wrestling and, uh, you know, how I, how I watched a lot of music videos and shit. Cause public access is wild late at night. Uh, if you find the right shit. Um, and yeah, there was this public access rock music video show and I was a huge metal head at the time. So I was like, yeah, and this track dropped and I was like, cool. It's, it's just straight ahead fucking rock. It's got a little bit of grunge influence in it, which I mean, makes sense. You know, uh, the two thousands is not too far removed from the nineties, um, and like I said, this originally was recorded and released in 98. You know, Kurt Cobain died in, what, 94, I think? Uh, I'm not a history major. I could look it up, but I'm recording this on my phone, so the method with which I would use to look it up is currently occupied recording. So, you look it up for yourself when Kurt Cobain died. But, um, this was not that far removed, like... People shit on Nickelback for being the most successful just rock band. That's all they are. They're a fucking rock band. In a time when just being a rock band is not the most popular thing to be. And yet somehow they are a hugely popular band. I don't even know how many albums they've done at this point. But like, look, I'll be honest. First couple albums, not bad. I enjoyed them. Typically, if, if you play me a Nickelback single, I'll be like, yeah, that's all right. Um, it's kind of the same way I feel about Buck Cherry. Yeah, they're a cool fucking rock band. They're just a rock band. That's what they do. That's what they are. They're not reinventing the wheel. Uh, but there's always going to be a market for just straight up rock and roll. Like, people just want that sometimes. Um, and, you know, I think Nickelback gets a lot of shit for just being what they are, which is fine. They're fine. They're a fine band. 
They're not, like I said, they're not reinventing the wheel. They're not changing the game. They're not doing anything incredibly inventive or creative. They're just what they are. Um, and you know what? If you shit on Nickelback, when's the last time you listened to a Nickelback song? Now, I get it if rock music isn't your thing or you think it's derivative or whatever. That's all fair and valid. But they do it fine. You know, they do it all right. So, yeah. Leader of Men. Before the controversies, before everyone decided to fuck this band, they had a single. It was good. I liked it. And uh, it's my recommendation uh, for for the, the... It's not even really a newer song. Like, that's still almost 20 years ago. But fucking whatever. Deal with it. Those are your song recommendations. This episode's running a little long, so let's go ahead and get right to the fucking finish line, which is your tarot pull for the evening. Um, I am... Uh, away from all of my personal decks of cards at the moment as I'm recording this. So I just did real quick a little, uh, there's websites where you can just have a tarot card randomly generated for you, like a random number generator kind of thing, only it's a random tarot card generator kind of thing, which isn't that far from fucking me getting hands on with the deck for the purposes of all of you. Like none of you are touching the deck. So why do you care if I do or not? Anyway, so the card that come up is the Page of Wands. And this card is, it's all about fucking big picture stuff, big ideas, new opportunities, um, motivations, you know, the, the, the drive to do something. Uh, but it's also easy to get lost in abstraction. Like you can have so many ideas. You can get caught up in idea after idea as you're feeling energized and motivated and inspired and shit like that. And because you're so caught up in the cycle of generating ideas, you don't actually act on any of them. And so you remain stagnant and you accomplish nothing. So the big thing is no matter how many ideas you're having, you've got to act on them. You've got to do something, you know? So if you're having a lot of ideas, Fucking pick something. Whatever makes you feel most inspired in this moment. Fucking jump on that shit and start doing something. And if you find that it's not the one, like there's another idea that keeps nagging at you that you want to do instead, fucking do that one next then. But at least try to do something. Try to make some progress. Try to accomplish something. Because again, so easy to get caught up in your own bullshit and in your own head. Uh, so yeah. Have your big ideas, look for your new opportunities, and charge forward at them. Don't get lost in abstraction. Don't get caught up in your ideas. Pick one, fucking do some shit. Whatever that shit's going to be. Yeah, I mean, you know, inspiration-wise, unless it's harmful to others or fucking whatever. That shit should go without saying. All right, so there you go. That is the episode. Thank you all so much for listening. I appreciate you. Uh, if you've got feedback, hit me up on the social medias at Skits Jones or email me skitsmjones at gmail.com. Or if you're on the Anchor app, drop me a fucking voice message. If I like it, I'll play it on the next episode. Uh, that's all I've got for you. So with nothing left, I ask only this. Keep that trash fire burning, y'all. <laughs>